Hello, my name is Nathan Foster. I'm the director of community life for Renovare, and I have the distinct privilege of getting to host the Renovare weekly podcast. And it is with great joy today that I interview Trevor Hudson. Trevor comes to us from South Africa. He's a recently retired Methodist minister. He's an author. He does uh, teaching with the Renovare Institute and Fuller's doctoral program in spiritual direction. In this interview, I talk with Trevor a little bit about South Africa, his experiences with apartheid and what's happening post-apartheid in the church and society and how that relates to spiritual formation. And I found this quite helpful thinking in terms of an American context and some of the issues we're facing today. I get to talk with Trevor about his new book, Beyond Loneliness, The Gift of God's Friendship. Trevor's quite active on Twitter and does a nightly prayer that you might listen to and, and, and enjoy quite a bit. As always, thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Good. Trevor, how are you? I'm very well. This is really great to be connected with you uh, via Skype, and it's a very special. It's a very special privilege for me, Nate. Oh, thank you, Trevor. It's it's special for me, and for people who don't know, when I record these podcasts, I do it by Skype so I can see the person, and then obviously just just right. record the video. Um, now, Trevor, you're in in South Africa. Um, I am. Tell us a little bit about South Africa, particularly in these uh, uh, days. Right. You know, I guess, I guess, Nate, I guess the most important thing I can say about South Africa in terms of a kind of a wide angle picture mm-hmm. is that we're, we're a young democracy and we are experiencing all the painful birth pangs mm. of being a young democracy. Mm-hmm. Um, I often say we're a country of tragic beauty. Uh, <laughs> it, it's just, you know, it's just such a beautiful country. Uh, the diversity of people, the rhythm of the music, the scenery, the, the, the deserts, the, the coastlines. It's just a, a, a very, very beautiful country, both in terms of, you know, just both in terms of landscape as well as in terms of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but it's also a country of great tragedy. You know, we are, we coming out of a very, very painful history. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, we, I think we knew that the journey into democracy was never going to be easy. Mm-hmm. And I think there was a kind of honeymoon period mm-hmm. uh, around, the, uh, around the actual moment when democracy was birthed in 94. But now we have a whole new set of problems and challenges uh, ranging from dealing with deeply entrenched racism, mm-hmm. uh, particularly with white people, myself included, um, unjust privilege, how do we level the playing fields, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. as well as corruption of the human heart that gets, <laughs> you know, with, you know, the, the new government doing things that the old government did. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and so, you know, we are dealing with a lot of stuff, and uh, I often say South Africa is a country where you can hope on Monday and despair on Tuesday. <laughs> uh, so that's that's uh, you know I could say much more, but that just gives you a feeling of the country. Any yeah. you know, it's the, it's really a country of the unexpected, of the surprising, of a lot of quiet heroism, uh, mm. 
uh, and a lot of pain and a lot of inequality that we mm-hmm. are having mm-hmm. to address. Yeah. yeah. And and the spiritual climate in South Africa? You know, that's a that's a that's a very difficult question to respond to. And I I, I don't feel I can you know, give a, I think, an adequate response to that. But let me try. Um, (laughs) um, You know, prior to um, 94, there was a sense in which the church really, you know, evil was quite clear. It was apartheid, and Mm. the struggle was quite clear. The church was engaged in a very deep struggle against apartheid. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that... With that out of the way, um, it's a little bit more blurry. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, evil, the, the, uh, how, you know, when we talk about the divine conspiracy and the kind of overcoming of evil with good, that's happening now in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, is the church up to it? The church was a, a, a very articulate opponent of apartheid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It has not been as articulate okay. uh, in its opposition to to the evil around about us mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. at the moment. It's lost a little bit of its prophetic edge, mm-hmm. except in some very courageous spaces. Okay. Um, I think what the new I think what I think what uh what the new dis, the new situation that we're in has 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 sharpened for us as as a as a church is the the real necessity of of spiritual formation and discipleship. Okay. okay. Um South Africa is a fairly religious country. Mm-hmm. At one level, we're kind of over-churched and under-discipled. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so I think the, you know, the urgency of a, of a spiritual formation in all of our lives that has a kind of, as an exp- outward expression, a social holiness mm-hmm. uh, is really, really critical. Um, and, and, and I think that happens, well, as you know, and as all your listeners know, that happens life by life and mm-hmm. happens in every little local community and it's, it's off the radar screen and it's that slow, um, yeah. that slow work mm-hmm. that goes mm-hmm. on day by day with people. Mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. local local assemblies and, and congregations, mm-hmm. but I think the the need for formation, um, and by that a kind of interior transformation into a, a, a deep life of love for God and neighbour, that really challenges all of us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, did the is it safe to say that the the church played a good role in the ending of apartheid? I think it. I think it played a critical role. Uh, it. It wasn't. I. I wouldn't say it was the main role player. Mm-hmm. But I think we have. Yes, I think we failed in our witness, and I also think we have some glorious, mm-hmm. glorious testimonies <laughs> and very courageous testimonies of people uh, in in the struggle against apartheid. Yeah. 
And does that does that tradition of for some groups the social justice work has that not carried on then into going into deeper levels of the institutionalized racism? Well, that's again a very uh, that's a very helpful and good question, and I think one would have maybe automatically have assumed mm-hmm. that that would have happened, and I think that would be an incorrect assumption. It just somehow you know, somehow many folk who were really at the forefront of the struggle against apartheid, somehow, I don't know, as I I put it earlier, a kind of prophetic edge got blunted. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and I'm not too sure what the reason for that was. I, I think we've seen an incredible rise, understandably at one level, of consumption People who did not have, have access now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and so without any judgment, I understand that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there has been some transfer of wealth. Um, but sometimes the church has more recently almost got hijacked into kind of supporting party political aims mm-hmm. and endeavors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, so a number of people, for example, who were very courageous in the struggle against apartheid in the new dispensation have taken on political responsibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and sometimes that has been for the good and sometimes that has not been for the good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. And and do you see spiritual formation getting some some legs in South Africa? Yes, yes, definitely. Uh, the, um, there, you know, there are some some just incredible folk in the country who just do wonderful work on the ground. It's unsung. It's uh, it doesn't make headlines, but in in groups around the country. Um, you will find men and women deeply engaged in a journey with Christ that mm. that has deep formational uh, consequences. Yes, yes. Oh, that's good. That's good. I sometimes wonder if um, social change takes more than one or there's only so far a generation can go with things and then right. it takes the next generation to pick the ball up right. and go right. even deeper and it's such a radical change that south right. africa t- right um, right we have lived through momentous changes and and the changes well you know i I really sometimes have to kind of rub my eyes in disbelief. You know, when I go past the local school, for example, where my son teaches and the school is 75% black and 25% white, Mm. and I look back on my own segregated for ex- educational journey mm-hmm. you know that's incredible um mm-hmm. that really is in, that, that that's transformation at a very deep level mm-hmm. now that has there's still other issues that still have to uh, take place but we have been through 
um, some real changes. And, and I think we are, there is the sense of one generation now handing over the baton. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and a new, and, and, and a new generation, uh, having to deal with what democracy so far has failed to deliver mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, to the previously disadvantaged and poor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, the inequalities uh, between rich and poor have grown considerably. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and that's um, even with some transfer of wealth into, into certain uh, favored black hands, as mm-hmm. it were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you, you wrote this wonderful book that I want to talk about, but you're um, enticing me with telling the story of, of, of your country. So maybe one more question. What was it like for you growing up uh, in, in this, you know, deeply segregated society and then watching that, that occur, right. the change occur? Well, you know, at one level, and again, I, 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 I use this word very carefully, um, uh, it's a sense of experiencing a, a bit of a miracle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I, and I know some people don't like to use that word because it sometimes can undermine the fact that people gave their lives for it. You know, it wasn't like a miracle that happened out of the blue. Mm-hmm. It was a miracle. It was a work of God that in partnership with self-sacrifice and heroism and prophetic witness and, you know, so to live through that, I feel graced. I really mm. do. It's just, you know, and, and obviously, you know, growing up in a segregated, I've had to deal with all the, um, all the embedded racism and, you know, all the privileged ways of looking at the world that, mm-hmm. that came with being white in South Africa, mm-hmm. where the playing fields were not equal at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that journey of, you know, of just facing that is an ongoing journey all the time. Mm-hmm. It gets deep in there, doesn't it? Right, yeah. Yeah. So that continues. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What would you say? I mean, I'm, I'm finding this helpful, particularly for U.S. context of where I mean, sometimes I think we're on the verge of a kind of second civil rights movement and there's things welling up and people are watching uh, changes occur and voices are becoming louder. Uh, what do you say to to the church who's beginning to look at some of their own um, history and sense of privilege um, how do we work with that, and and particularly in in light of uh, spiritual formation? Well, I think f- this is going to not be an adequate response, but I'm going okay. to venture. I'll take it. <laughs> okay. I think that you know it's so easy to do spiritual formation in a bubble. Okay. Um, in a bubble of entrenched privilege and kind of color blindness and um, and I think it is really critical in the journey of spiritual formation to to be engaged with voices that are other mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I have to be constantly in conversation as a privileged white 
heterosexual male in mm-hmm. South Africa, mm-hmm. I have to be in constant conversation with I have to widen my own circle mm-hmm. and I have to I have to be in conversation with um, with with the voices of the other, whoever the other may be, mm-hmm. um, the person who is poor, who is black, um, who has suffered very deeply from past way, the ways in which society has been structured. So I just find it so important in a non-defensive way to, 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 you know, to being called out <laughs> and to being without defending myself mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and to be challenged very deeply, mm-hmm. uh, to face blind spots uh, in my own, you know, I've just got so many blind spots mm-hmm. and I need them to be called, if yep. that makes sense. Yep, yep. And, and, and that's part of the form, that's for me part of the journey of formation mm-hmm. and it's part of what it means to be bound up in the community of Christ, mm. which hopefully can hold these voices together in creative conversation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That it, it takes a certain level of courage to begin looking at some of these things in, in, in ourselves. And I, I've, I've found it to be a real kind of invitation to prayer, that, that when I see these things in me or things in um, beliefs that I hold that I didn't know I, I held, um, sure. These are great sure. movements into prayer. Do, uh, do you relate? Oh, deeply, deeply. So I think they are. They are. You know, they 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 are the places of uh, of encounter, of grace, of repentance, of and all those big words now kind of get get flesh and blood on them <laughs> within. You know, within within those moments when I do face those things within myself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and on the other side, what a grace to sure. see our own journeys and go, man, I'm so thankful yeah. that <laughs> brought through that. Sure. Um, sure. And, and, and I think what I'm hearing from you, Trevor, is this, this, we listen to the other, we stay in conversation and we, um, are, aren't, aren't afraid to, to, to walk into looking at ourselves and, the, the consequences of some of these. Right. I, you know, I think I, I just think of the journey, you know, of the early disciples in the book of Acts um, and how, you know, that constant challenge of making the circle bigger mm. um, mm-hmm. of, you know, this, this little community that was Jewish kind of Jerusalem based um, and, and then how the spirit of God really challenged that little community to hear voices that came in from outside of that community Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and how that was all part of the formation, you know, Mm -hmm. of people like Peter and Paul and et cetera. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then then they were faced with the cultural differences and how to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I've thought that, just the fact that I get to, uh, or I have space to look at spiritual growth, look at growing deeper, that there's a certain amount of privilege that's afforded to even be in a position to where I'm able uh, to. No, deeply so. Um, and I think, again, within the South African context, um, uh, 
let me say two things at the same time. Mm-hmm. The one thing I want to say is, you know, of really underlining the absolute essential challenge of spiritual formation. Mm. And, and, and then to say in the same breath that, and I think you've hinted at this, is that I need to, I need to speak about it all the time in such a way that it is deeply rooted in the personal and social realities of South Africa. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. You know, I cannot, I cannot speak about it as a kind of technology, as it were, out there right. in some kind of abstraction. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I really cannot. Um, and I think the gift of the South African situation for myself is that it holds that challenge you know, in my face every day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, w- I wonder if, so you've, you've written, you know, a, a, a few books, this, this new book, um, Beyond Loneliness, has, it, uh, I'm, I'm shooting in the dark here, but has your experience of living in South Africa and watching these changes occur and, and continuing to see struggle, has that influenced your interest in, in loneliness as a, as a topic? Right. Uh, in, in South Africa, the book is called um, Friendship with God okay. as the main focus and then the strapline kind of living beyond loneliness type thing. Mm-hmm. So within the USA context, the publishers wanted to go with the, with the focus, uh, interestingly, more on the experience of loneliness than on friendship with God. Interesting. Um, and so, and I think, you know, that, and, I, and I respect the decision in that regard. Sure. Um, the whole idea of learning to live as God's friend <laughs> within the South African context is, is a deeply challenging one. Mm. And I think, and, and, and like, I think like the world over, South Africa has many, um, has many expressions of loneliness, mm-hmm. um, some of which are particular, I think, to the South African context. When I wrote the book, I, obviously because it's for a, a, an international audience, I wanted to, I wanted to try understand um, loneliness within categories that perhaps could speak across the board, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, for example, the loneliness of the loneliness of leadership um, is something, you know, that sometimes to lead, to lead in South Africa and to lead for the sake of Christ and for the sake of the gospel could, well, sometimes a very lonely experience. Right. Right. Um, um, So, so obviously I was deeply, uh, influenced by the South African context in the writing of the book, but wanted to write about loneliness and friendship that maybe would have some kind of connection with readers beyond South Africa. Yeah. Yep. Oh, well, you succeeded. I mean, you, 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 okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> it, it, in it, you really um, get at some core 
human struggles and then also give some 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 hope and some very practical ways well, I, I hope so and i you know it is it is written with a, a south african accent you know the story the, you know the the stories are you know the stories are very south african mm-hmm. um and but i'm also hoping that even those stories will have some kind of connection mm-hmm. with readers from another context yeah no they they do i mean reading it i knew you're south african but um nothing was lost in translation <laughs> <laughs> okay great <laughs> well, tell tell people a little bit about the book right i think very simply um it i think it finds its roots in 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 the very first book christian book i ever read mm-hmm. uh, i uh, i was converted i didn't grow up in any church or anything like that so i came in from the cold really at the age of 16 and then someone um someone gave me a, a little book called the transforming friendship mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. by leslie weatherhead and i think looking back i can see now that that title mm kind of almost burnt two things into my soul mm-hmm. and the one was that whatever the christian life was about at at the heart of the christian life was friendship mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, friendship with god and friendship with others mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. so i was i was i kind of i kind of just grew up knowing that christian faith and friendship go together mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other hand I think the title of the book got me um, thinking and helped me to begin to see very clearly that it's within the context of friendship that transformation happens best, mm-hmm. that, that friendships change us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, friendships with people, friendships with God, they change us. Yep. And, they, and they leave us different. So I wanted to, So in the book, I wanted to bring the themes of against the backdrop of kind of human loneliness and alienation, mm-hmm. I wanted to bring the themes of friendship and transformation together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think perhaps an, a subplot for me, you know, for the sake of full disclosure, Okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> there's been a lot written um, very helpfully around spiritual practice and disciplines mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, by people like Nathan Foster. <laughs> uh, and and I, I wanted to I wanted to all I wanted to while not losing that at all and I build into the book kind of friendship practices mm-hmm. all the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. I wanted to locate the kind of dynamic of transformation within friendship, mm-hmm. if that mm-hmm. makes sense. It does. It does. And, and, and then, so if our practices can maybe facilitate deeper friendship yes. with God, then the practices are serving kind of that spiritual practices at their best. Yes. I yes. think <laughs> are practices of friendship. Yeah. Uh, It's going beyond kind of these are the spiritual practices to do and inviting us into, you know what, friendship with God, but also friendship with others really is a spiritual practice in some of the best. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I've always had this image, you know, that like when I open my life to Jesus, he never comes alone and kind of brings all his friends with him. And, you know, 
for better or for worse. That, for better for worse kind of thing. And, uh, and it's within this context of friendship and growing friendship with all the difficulties and joys that go in with that, um, that transformation begins to happen mm-hmm. in the human life. Mm-hmm. And particularly given our, the earlier parts of our conversation, when those friendships begin to include voices that my own situation within my own context prevented me from hearing or being engaged mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. That's good. One, one question as we begin to wrap things up. Um, I know for some Americans, just introducing the idea of friendship with God, Jesus as friend, um, they'll struggle with that. Right. Whoa, wait a minute. You know, God's holy and, you know, we need to just kind of, um, what would you say to, to, to them? Uh, well, I, I, I think I would say on the one hand, that I'm not kind of into a privatized Jesus, my buddy kind of thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that trivializes friendship with Christ yes. to a kind of private Jesus and me and oh. he's my buddy and he's at all, at all. Right. And that for me, that, that the concept or the paradigm of friendship can always hold within it. Um, the the posture of a profound respect and reverence for mm-hmm. the other, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even even in human friendship, let alone divine friendship. When I'm with a, another human being, my posture towards that human being as a friend of God mm. is always a posture of deep respect and and. Well, and deep reverence. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's, and, 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 and if that be true at a human level, mm-hmm. uh, then it is infinitely more true in terms <laughs> of my friendship with the living Christ yep. in whom God meets me. Yep. I mean, maybe some of our struggle is devaluing or not really understanding the, the deep intimacy and commitment of, of friendship. Uh, Right, um, if sure. If a shallow no, view of right. friendship, then we'll right. carry that right. back on. Sure. Oh. And that is possible today, you know, in a world where we can friend and defriend people uh, on social media, uh, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm aware of that, and I'm really grateful to you for kind of putting that on the radar screen of our conversations right at the outset. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're, you're very welcome. Uh, thank you. <laughs> and for people, uh, the book is called Beyond Loneliness. The gift of God's friendship. But thank you so much, Trevor. I appreciate it. Okay. I hope that was okay. That was perfect. (laughs) Okay.